You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. UGHD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. One man to beat, you can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you weekday mornings from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Going to give you a little insider tip here. I don't know if the chocolate lady wants me doing this on live radio and whatnot. But starting at 6 o'clock every evening, any remaining chocolate strawberries dipped that day, because they're always dipped day of, you don't have chocolate dipped strawberries at Peterbrook that have been hanging around for a couple of three days. They're hand dipped daily. But starting at 6 o'clock until closing at 8, they go to half price because they got to go because they each and every day with those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. So half price starting at 6 on the hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. Now you know, right? Joined on the program by the one, the only, the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 bit of sports talk radio. Jacob, how you doing on this hump day morning? Man, I'm tired. <laughs> I uh, I got my my second dose of my vaccine yesterday, so uh, I, I've been Ooh. out. I've been out. <laughs> Are you Moderna guy? Uh, no, I went to DCH. Uh, DCH. So uh, Pfizer. Did you? Okay, Pfizer. Okay. Yeah, you know the funky cold Moderna. That's what the chocolate lady and I had, and I thought for us it was the first shot that knocked us down more. We were lethargic, you know, felt just like we didn't have much juice after that first dose. So we kind of braced ourselves for that second one. And the second one, I didn't think hit us as much, but you're feeling the effects of the Pfizer uh, day after the shot. So uh, here's to a quick recovery from that should be. And off you go, Jacob Harrison, off and running, just like Southern Fried Sports on this Wednesday morning, just sprinting out of the gates here. Hey, I'll tell you this too. 
I had the early lunch today. I don't usually do the early lunch. I did the early, early lunch today, so uh, I may be battling some stamina issues as we move throughout the program. So I'm kind of counting on you, Jacob, but you got this you got this Pfizer after effect going on. So, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to work, I guess, here for the next hey, 54 now, my minutes shows, or so. My show's at night. I know all about the stamina issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, check back with me when you're 52, and then we'll talk about stamina issues. All right, young buck? You know? I hear you, though. Uh, the, the nighttime show, I, I couldn't imagine doing that now. Now, well, 25 years ago, maybe, but not so much now. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you are more than welcome to do so. We're going to check in with Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com coming up in just a little bit. We got a myriad, a myriad of topics to touch on with Cecil Hurt. How about Spencer Turnbull last night? Late last night, early this morning, it might have been. Spencer Turnbull, the former Alabama pitcher, no-hit the Mariners out in Seattle. Hey, you think Spencer could maybe go against Mississippi State this weekend at the Joe? Spence got any eligibility remaining? Brad Bohannon could use an extra arm or two. But an outstanding performance for Spencer Turnbull in the fifth no-hitter already this season. In Major League Baseball, it was the second time in two weeks that the Mariners had been shut out. I guess no Jay Bruner, no Ken Griffey Jr. still out there in Seattle these days. But Spencer Turnbull gets it done, the fifth no-hitter in Major League Baseball. I guess it's just with this strikeout or hit-it-out approach by hitters and pitchers getting it up there at 100-plus, it seems like, on a nightly basis, that's kind of where we're at in baseball. Seems like uh, the no-hitter is almost becoming, I don't want to say insignificant because it's still a hell of an accomplishment, but damn, five in a month or so of baseball? It's a lot. Meanwhile, the Braves lose again, this time to the Mets, and the Braves four back of the boys from Gotham now in the NL East. Look, you understand the Mets are going to Mets at some point, but it would be nice to see some signs from the Braves that perhaps there is a stretch of consistency forthcoming because that has certainly not been the case through roughly, what are we, about 40 games in now? Yeah, quarter of the season. We haven't seen that from the Atlanta Braves. You did have the tape measure shot. How about the blast from Freddie last night? 440-plus to straightaway center field. Not enough, though, as, again, the Braves' bullpen can't hold up late and the Mets score in the ninth to win that one, 4-2-3. Some things we'll talk about today on the program as well, Alabama football. You know, there's been so much discussion, and understandably so, because it sort of played out the way you thought it might with the one-time transfer rule going into effect that Alabama would cherry-pick cream of the cream type talent in the transfer portal. But you know what no one's really talked about is the, the fact that in terms of Alabama players transferring out of the program, it's been like a stimulus for a lot of Power 5 football. Look at all these guys and where they've landed going from Alabama to other power fives. It's like a STEMI check for these programs. I mean, they're not going to get rich, 
but it can certainly help ease the pain in some areas of need for a season or two if you're Texas and you're hoping Ben Davis can come in on the edge and give you something. If you're Vanderbilt and you're hoping that Joseph Bullivis can come in and kick the football reasonably well. If you're Georgia and you've recently acquired Brandon Turnage from the transfer portal, talked about Turnage yesterday with Brent Beard, kind of a like-for-like swap, I thought. Kind of a three-team trade, and Alabama, I guess, didn't really get anything back in it, although I guess you could say the way Alabama recruits the state of Georgia and South Florida – They've already got pretty much what they need from those areas where those programs call home. But Brandon Turnage to Georgia, um, Eddie Smith to Illinois. I mean, you look at these transfers out of Alabama that have landed in Power 5 programs elsewhere. Alabama's been good. Been good to some other programs. It hasn't been just a one-way street with Alabama. Now, look, you want to talk quality, okay. Jamison Williams, Henry Toa Toa. Maybe even Jack Martin coming from the group of five level. All right, I hear you on that. But these guys leaving Alabama are landing at pretty significant, prominent type programs. 205-342-9904 elsewhere as it relates to Alabama football. You saw yesterday, Tino Sunseri has worked on the Alabama staff the last couple of years. Of course, the son of Sal Sunseri. Older brother of Vinny. I believe he's the older brother of Vinny. Vinny Sunseri, former Alabama defensive back. And so Tino Sunseri leaves Alabama to become the quarterback's coach at James Madison, one of the very better FCS programs out there. And James Madison headed up by a former Alabama assistant in Kirk Signetti. Signetti's done a nice job climbing the ladder. It's sort of been this slow, steady run for him. I think it was Division II, and now he's into FCS. And when you look at his track, you're thinking, Kurt Signetti probably here in the not-too-distant future going to end up at an FBS-level position. So off goes Tino Sanceri uh, to a position job at the FCS level. Hey, we talk about what's coming up this weekend with, say, Alabama baseball and certainly Alabama softball hosting regional play at the Rhodes House, baseball at the Joe, big series, regular season capper against Mississippi State. I see here where Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball, the co-managing editor, D1 Baseball, sort of the authoritative site when it comes to college baseball. Kendall's been doing this a long time with his cohorts there. Kendall Rogers on Twitter just moments ago tweeted that the NCAA is expected to announce today that the baseball and softball championships will allow 100% capacity if local and state guidelines allow for it. This is massive news for both sports. No doubt about that because you were looking at 50% capacity Now, with the potential to lift that to 100%, that could be absolutely, absolutely massive. I can tell you you one state for sure 
or a couple of states, really. But I can tell you, based on how much they love the baseball, too, um, the state of Mississippi, the state of Mississippi is going to go to 100% easily. I mean, state of Mississippi had already pretty much done that. So when you talk about regional and maybe super regional hosts in Ole Miss and Mississippi State, yeah, I think the uh, the old local and state guidelines over the Magnolia State are going to be perfectly fine with going to 100% capacity uh, at those venues in Oxford and Starkville. 205-342-9904. Here's what you wonder about this weekend in Tuscaloosa with Mississippi State coming over. Is it going to be like a Mississippi State takeover at the Joe? These people are pretty ardent, you know. They love the baseball. They absolutely love the baseball. So it's not all that difficult to envision a lot of maroon and white at the Joe. Starting tomorrow, by the way, that's a Thursday through Saturday series. You've got Alabama-Mississippi State game one of that series tomorrow night. We're off Bryant Drive. That's a 6 o'clock first pitch. Friday night is a 6 o'clock first pitch. And then game three on Saturday set for 1 p.m. Central time. You also have, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Deontay Wilder getting paid. Deontay Wilder looking at potentially, I guess, Bob Bob Arum, the legendary promoter, Obviously, he's always got his hands in these type of situations, especially with the high profile and the heavyweight division in boxing. But Deontay Wilder had an arbitrator rule in his favor a couple of days ago that he should be up next for Tyson Fury. And, of course, Fury is planning on bypassing uh, a third bout with Deontay Wilder after making relatively easy work of the Bronze Bomber, in their last meeting, uh, Anthony Joshua. That's the fight that the Fury Camp wants in, I think it's August. But an arbitrator ruled here in the last couple of days that it should be Deontay that's up next. If Fury wants Deontay to step aside, there is talk of a step-aside fee that would be due to Deontay Wilder in the eight figures neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. That's $10 million plus that Deontay Wilder could be on and not to fight so that Joshua and Fury can go down as the Fury people would prefer at this point. However, Bob Arum, the, again, promoter, legendary promoter, says, told ESPN, we're not paying Wilder to step aside. It's better to get rid of him and go about our business. We can make the Fury-Joshua fight for November or December. So Bob Arum basically saying, all right, let's get Deontay Wilder back in the ring with Tyson Fury. Guessing that would be a July summer fight. And either way, Deontay could be very easy, though, if he gets that step aside. We're going to step aside right now, as a matter of fact. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Wednesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, right after this. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky. The high today, 83. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 64. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. The warming trend continues Friday, mostly sunny with a high at 88. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BOL, with you weekdays from 11 a.m. until noon. And on Wednesdays, we like to check in with our good friend Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Cecil, uh, born on this day in 1945, that guy that we were listening to coming back from the break, Mr. Pete Townsend of the Who, yeah, of course. I thought, I thought Pete was trending today. Glad it's just a happy birthday. <laughs> You're like me. When you see some of these old rockers trending, do you cringe a little bit at first? You do. You do. It's been a little weary, a little leery of clicking on that, yeah. that, that trending highlight, you know? Yeah. Um, but Pete's been pretty active, so I, I haven't heard anything that he wasn't, wasn't doing well. But um, happy birthday to Pete. Yeah, you know, these old English guys, especially, it seems like they're just, you know, they just hang in there. Somehow, the, <laughs> most of them, Clapton and Pete and Keith, and uh, these guys have just managed to survive it for the most part. Now, there's been there's been casualties, as we know. Yeah, Mick, Mick Jagger's pushing 80, and he's bouncing around, so, um, you know, they, they, um, most of them have probably cut it close, but um, once they get past that hurdle, they uh, seem to hang in there pretty pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I'm some, sure. Some, some, what's the What's the Queen now? Ninety four, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what was Prince Philip? Ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, when you have the personal position that you're. Back and call that helps. Yeah, healthcare. Uh, Glad they're all doing well. Yeah, maybe not as many fast food joints over there. I'm not. I can't figure it out. Maybe they're maybe they're eating better than we are. I don't know. I think Keith Keith Richards living down in the island. Mm-hmm. Fresh veggies uh, and maybe some fish. Yeah. 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 Plenty of omega. Hey. <laughs> uh, 
Cecil, I'm sure you've seen here in the last few moments, Kendall Rogers at D1 Baseball with the update on Twitter that the NCAA is expected to announce today that baseball and softball championships will allow 100% capacity if local and state guidelines allow for it. That's pretty big. It's a pretty good thunderbolt here uh, as we get ready for softball regional play this weekend. Yeah. Right there at Tuscaloosa. 16 cities and probably one of the um, – I don't know that they'd all go to, you know, sell out, but Tuscaloosa sure would. So uh, – and it's tough enough to play, as, as the SEC teams found out last weekend, it's tough enough to play here at 50%. Yeah, I was talking earlier in the program in the first segment – I, I, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss and Mississippi State went ahead and sold or selling tickets probably as soon as that came out at uh, at 100. percent We know the the Mississippi State schools they'll go to 150 percent if they can, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they they've looked suspiciously close to 100 anyway. <laughs> but it's, it's you know I think as long as everybody is observant and follows the guidelines and more people who get vaccinated and I'm not going to get into a philosophical debate over the vaccine, but the more people who get vaccinated, as Nick Saban said today, um, he did. The more, people, the more people who get vaccinated, the better. You know, Cecil, there's been a lot of talk about Alabama with the one-time transfer rule going into effect and its ability uh, you know, as a football program, as the, the premier football program in the sport to cherry pick. And we've seen that Jamison Williams uh, from Ohio state, Henry Toa even most recently in special teams with Jack Martin at the FBS level. I was running down in the first segment, you know, Alabama's doing a pretty nice job for other teams out there. When you look at where some of these Alabama transfers are landing Cecil. Yeah. Some of it is just like, musical chairs, you know, Brandon Turnage, um, who's from Oxford, you know, signs with Alabama, goes to Georgia, Major Byrne, who's from Baton Rouge, signs with Georgia, now he's left for LSU, um, and it's hard to keep up with the shuffle, but um, yeah, if you're getting a guy that's off, that, that's been in um, Tuscaloosa for a couple of years, whether it's, you know, I know Ronald Williams, um, signs, Georgia. Um, like I said, they got Brandon Turnage, and and yeah, and, and this is not a knock at Brandon. They're excited to get Brandon, and he hadn't played at all here. You know, and, mm-hmm. and um, it's become it's funny, and you're closer to this industry than than me in a sense, but um, it's almost the new recruiting period. You know, the, the recruiting guy. What would one uh, December, put in February, you know, February, and then December and February. But what was once February now is it's strung out all the way through the through the spring and into the summer. And you know, people are watching Toa Toa or watching where where um, various guys end up, and, and you follow it almost like it's recruiting, more so even in basketball. You know, guys are doing announcements, and mm-hmm. and and it is also, as you mentioned, the. I don't know if it's entirely the rich get richer, but I know that Kentucky's out there picking up some pretty good guys. 
Severe uh, Wheeler from help, Georgia. Doesn't help the balance, yeah. yeah, doesn't help the balance of the league. But Severe Wheeler goes from Georgia to Kentucky. I guess that's sort of that's a that's another. It's the basketball way of looking at what could happen with Alabama in football because Wheeler develops largely, or to this point he has, has been a really nice player in the SEC. And I thought he said it in his announcement. He just feels like it gives him an opportunity to compete for championships, which if you're Georgia, you know, obviously you understand the difference between yourself. You won't go out there publicly and say, well, we're just not to Kentucky's level. But you understand where you're at you, in the pecking you, order. You, you do, but you can't think that way. And what do you, no. what do, you do? So, no, and, and but, we'll but, be content, you know, we'll we'll find some good guys and they'll be gone in a year. Um and we'll be content to stay at eleventh or twelfth forever. That you just absolutely you hate your fan base hearing that, you know. I would think in relation to well, your existing regime, the leadership of your program right now with Tom Crean, uh, that kind of kicks the leg out of the head coach, doesn't it? A little bit. Sure, sure. Um, and and a lot of fans don't. I mean, they're not interested in program building in, in the sense of having guys. You know, so uh, so such good fortune for Nate Oates last year to have Herb Jones and John Petty and Alex Reese and uh, veteran guys, but people look at, at the way I'm going to call him Bill Musselman because of his dad, Eric Musselman and um, Will Wade and so forth. You know, they just get into that transfer portal and seem to reload and, and be successful. And I guarantee it, Georgia or A&M. You know, people are saying, well, why can't we do that instead of having our best players go to uh, these teams that are ahead of us in the standings? What are we, the farm club? You know. Now, with all that said, Nick Saban warned people about it. So. <laughs> absolutely. He absolutely did. Um, when you talk about this academic, athletic calendar year and looking at Alabama and the, the football season and – uh, looking at basketball, winning the Southeastern Conference, both the regular season and tournament titles. Gymnastics uh, wins an SEC title. Very competitive in, in many other sports as well. What we've seen here recently from softball and you know track and field has done some good things. Uh, uh, tennis, swimming. I, you, know, you look at this, and especially – with the backdrop of COVID-19 in terms of just, I guess you could say more so probably September. Yeah. September to through May with that calendar year, this has got to be one of the more impressive athletic years for the university of Alabama in a long time, doesn't it? I think so. I think so. I think a lot of factors went into that. I think the, um, Good leadership from the SEC helped. Um, I think that it wasn't as chaotic for for SEC teams as it was for Big Ten or Pac-12 teams. I think in football particularly, and in basketball too, I think in football particularly, 
uh, guys had confidence in, in what they were doing and that they'd um, be treated correct, medically treated correctly and so forth. And they understood, hey, even even their coach, even Nick Saban had it. Nate Oates had it, not during the season, but during the summer. And uh, so by the same token, I think, I think they, most of the players felt more comfortable here than they would have going somewhere where they didn't know and that may or may not have the resources that Alabama had. So, um, and yeah, different, every sport's different and they all peak differently. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, anytime you, you can win football, men's basketball, softball, gymnastics would like to have had a better national finish, but uh, won the SEC championship. Uh, that's a great year. That's a great year. Not everybody, you know. The golfers struggled last weekend. I don't know if Jay was disappointed um, in how they played. Particularly, they, they played badly in the first round out in Stillwater and couldn't overcome it. Tough golf course out there, by all accounts. And yeah. uh, when you see guys like Wilson Furr and uh, Fur Fur and and Davis Shore struggle like they did. That only underscores the fact that uh, that was a difficult situation out there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Hey Cecil, we've got some game times for college football's opening weekend and beyond. Uh, Labor Day weekend, you're going to have Alabama and Miami a two thirty kickoff in Atlanta. Uh, you're going to have. Miami, excuse me, Clemson and Georgia in prime time that evening. You're even going to have Lane versus Louisville on Monday night. So um, we talked about capacity just a few moments ago and sort of this breaking situation with baseball and softball potentially going to 100% capacity uh, for their championships coming up here in the next several weeks. What do you anticipate maybe for the opening weekend? Uh, of college football and with an emphasis on Alabama and, uh, and Miami is, is that already been dis- established or where are we at with that? I think Georgia is aiming for a hundred percent. You know, I, I don't know that it's been announced, but I think that Georgia and most of the states in the SEC footprint will, uh, go for a hundred percent if they can. You know, with that Clemson Georgia game, I've got trust issues with Georgia. Am I am I justified in those uh, with that team that you look at, even with JT Daniels coming back, and um, you know, understanding that expectations continue to increase for Kirby Smart as he gets deeper into his tenure? How do you how do you view that matchup with with still a lot of time to go before we get there? Yeah, I, as I always say, I'm sure by um, game time I'll have been convinced by the uh, some of the people who cover Georgia that, that it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a, a um, NFC team against a against an ACC team, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the quarterbacks play. Um, I think we pretty much know who our quarterbacks are going to be. Um, but it's a transition for Dabo, even even though DJ has played some quarterback. 
as I've said all along about that game, the one thing about that game is that it's not a make-or-break game. It's not going to ruin anybody's season. It may take a little, particularly Clemson's case, um, they might have a tough time surviving another loss. But if either one of those teams goes on from that, loses that game and goes on and wins their conference championship, I think they'll have it. You know, it won't ruin their year. They'll still be in the playoff. That's why you take the calculated risk to play it. Now, if they don't, if Georgia loses a close game, runs the table, wins the SEC, and doesn't get in for some reason, or Clemson, uh, then you'll see less of those kind of games. But I think that you know, Oregon, Ohio State's a similar game. I think Oregon can lose that game, finish 12 and 1, and still be in the playoffs. So, or Ohio State can. Uh, so it'll be interesting. There's, there's, it feels like, and, and I hadn't thought that this has happened a lot uh, during the 14 playoff, uh, but it feels like this is a year where there's pretty strong potential for a, a team with a really strong case to be left out. You know, last mm-hmm. year, A&M, I, I certainly was was hoping A&M could get in, but uh, I don't know that they had a ironclad case to get in. So this year, you know, it's just gotten awfully crowded for four. Uh, when you talk about Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, somebody from the Pac-12, you know, what do you do? You ramp up the talk about an expanded playoff is what you yeah. do. <laughs> what? I, I think that's where we're headed. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that I, lo- I, I thought, I thought the team, I thought even Alabama and Ohio State, again, it was a unique year, but I thought they were beat up um, in Miami. And you, you throw another, layer of games on that. You're going to have to do something with the schedule. You're going to have to... Yeah. I can't imagine the conference is giving up the conference championship game, but you're going, to, you're going to have to take a non-con out of there or do something. I don't know that the... Again, judging from last year, I don't know that fans would would Really, you know, as long as you're playing a good non-conference game in that schedule, I don't know that fans would mind going from four to th- back down to three, or you know, expanding that SEC schedule, uh, but having one less game in there. I don't know how much New Mexico State would be missed. Um, but I just, and this is going to take some time, research to think about, and I, I don't know. Where and how many schools that make such a financial impact that you they'd vote against Alabama? I don't know. That. Alabama's going to make a bunch of money either way, but a lot of the old model obviously was to, to have those five games, get a big gate, get a big crowd, a part of your season ticket package. You sell them that way. Um, and 
that was how you generated your revenue. Now, if the playoff wants to go to eight teams, you, you've got two things to look at. First of all, how does that affect – what are you paying the Power 5 league or the participating teams and so forth, which in the case of the SEC, you know, there's a – there's a socialism involved where Vandy gets a good check from that too, whether Vandy gets a playoff or not. Uh, but how does it affect the Power Five teams? And then, really, how does it affect your Group of Five teams? And and suddenly, they got one less one less buy game, and are they getting a bigger cut somehow of eighteen money? You know, are you? And I just don't think the sixty. How, I certainly don't think it'll be a situation where the, and we're using round numbers here, the 63 Power 5 teams say, sure, we'll we'll gladly cut our revenue in half where the group of five teams all get a big chunk. That's not going to happen. So people have to, so, but the group of five teams vote, um, or, yeah. or at least vote or have some input into that. So what what share of the pie, how big a slice of the pie are they going to get? Um, and that's, I think that's one of the big issues. It's not as easy as, as just saying, well, man, four's great, let's play eight. I mean, there's so many financial ramifications to that. Speaking of financial ramifications, how about the latest news involving Tuscaloosa's very own Deontay Wilder? Uh, maybe the best kind of payout for a fighter, a step-aside payout for the Bronze Bomber, although it sounds like Bob Arum may not be very much in favor of that and, in fact, may prefer Deontay go ahead and get that third shot against Tyson Fury. Yeah, Deontay's, and Deontay's done well and hopefully well-managed and has more than he could ever spend, but from a career Standpoint, Deontay needs to fight some guys, and and you know how. And people complain about college football, and we don't get to see this game, and we don't get to see that game. How have we not had a more or less of a round robin with Deontay yeah. and Fury, Joshua? You know, how have we yeah. not had those? How does that service the fight fan to not have those? And I, I understand they're all holding out for the. The money, the bigger, better deal. But um, you know, back in the day, and yeah, it's not the seventies anymore, right? But but you know, you had Ali and Frazier and Ellis and Foreman and and um, those guys. They all fought each other. You know, it wasn't just Ali dictated everything that happened in the division, and nobody else would fight anybody. Um, and some of those were classic, classic fights. So uh, it's and and those guys get older, man. You go a year or two, and you don't fight anybody or fight anybody of any particular note. And how do you evaluate a career? It just it feels like a division that we thought was desperate, hungry for a return to relevancy, is going to let this window come and go without milking it for everything it's worth that's what it feels like yeah with having three um right premier guys or or relatively three i'm not going to say they're greater than you know joe lewis or or 
Ali, but without having with having three pretty pretty marquee guys you could sell, and they're not going to fight each other. No. Now, now, you know, he has fought Tyson Fury twice. I, I get that. I appreciate it. But how has he not fought Anthony Joshua? And why is it so complicated to get those things done? And it, it seems like Joshua should have never had a chance to lose the fight he lost, right? I mean, that should have been Fury or Wilder in that spot, even. Uh, they've kind of left themselves open to having to take the long road to get to this point uh, by not being more efficient in, in how they've gone about their matchmaking there. Again, in a division that just really hasn't, hasn't been relevant for a couple decades or so, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to – I guess you can't pick on them. We never got Hogan and Flair at WrestleMania. <laughs> you know, when that was uh, – they always wanted to see, and they could never, for whatever reason. Uh, uh, that was never uh, – uh, you know, after Hogan and Andre, I guess. You think, you, uh, think, you think both those guys wanted the book on that match, though? I mean, in terms yeah, of – Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. I'm guessing – Nobody wanted to do the job. Who was getting over? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wanted to do the job there. And and Vince would have had to decide, you know, which one he's putting over. And he would have decided Hogan, I think, and I just don't know that Rick was felt like that was the best thing. So Yeah, I don't think Rick was taking a clean three count for, for Hulk in the middle of yeah. the ring. I I've always wondered about that one and I've always wondered about um Rock versus Brock. You know, <laughs> uh, we talk about uh, threesomes in sports. Uh, what about the? Uh, I know I'm going back here, but as we let you go, the transfer portal for Alabama in terms of what it's been able to do in uh, going after top transfers, and when you look at Jamison Williams and Henry Toato, and even here recently with Jack Martin, the scholarship punter for Troy, electing to take a preferred walk-on opportunity as a transfer at Alabama. Is these are all three areas of the football team: offense, defense, special teams. Is there is there one of these guys so far that you would point to and say he fits? a need that is maybe more pressing than the other two, or are they all about the same to you? Well, you know, without having certainly seen Toa more than I've seen the other two, obviously. I think there's a buzz about him, and I think suddenly you, you've created this greatest um, linebacker core ever, which is, you know, how life goes, but um, yeah, I, I, I think though, if, if Jamison Williams really elevates that wide receiver for, um, and, and they're good receivers, Matchy, obviously, and then, um, a guy Hall and, and so forth. But if he's really a guy that steps in and is two or three or even one, I don't know that he'd pass Matchy. Then um, I think he's probably the difference maker now. Again, if guy goes out and Martin goes out and averages forty-seven yards a punt, um, that changes things too a little bit. 
Well, Cecil, we always appreciate the time with you here on the program. Yeah, how's, you the, wonder, uh, how's the rehab? Speaking of uh, uh, you know athletic endeavors, yeah. um, new appreciation for what those guys go through to get back on a playing field. I'm, I'm still um, it's slow and steady. So. All right, slow. All right, yeah. we're gonna get you back on that anti gravity treadmill in no time. That's gonna happen. I, I, I need. I need one. I need, All right. I need All right. We'll make that happen. Moment, so. Yeah, I, I um, think you know enough people over there off Bryant Drive to make that. We can get you in that sports science center, yeah. hopefully. We'll get We'll get I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> there. Uh, man, you get frustrated. You know? you, I understand. You, you've been yes, through sir. it. So. Yes, sir. Well, we're, you know, we're rooting for you. We know you'll be as good as new in no time. But – uh, We'll be talking some golf next week. We've got the PJ Championship this weekend. Yeah, and up on it. Dickie yeah. Pride. I mean, come on, a lot of golf I too. Around yesterday, and there's JT doing his press conference. And yeah, yeah congrats, huge congratulations to Dickie Pride and Spencer Turnbull. How about the no hitter last night, this morning? Yeah, stayed up for it. Stayed up for it. Saw him throw that 95 mile an hour heater on the last pitch <laughs> of the game. Just, <laughs> you know, which you like to see. It's just. You know, probably the Mariners' best hitter, and Spencer, and he just said, "All right, I got two strikes on you. I'm coming." See if you can hit it. See if you can hit it. If you knock it out of the yard, if you knock it out of the yard, then that's on me. You know, that's baseball today. It's it's hit it out, strike out, pretty much. And so, fifth no hitter this season in Major League Baseball, Cecil. Yeah, and and it's funny and not a. Critical, certainly not critical of Spencer. People, people look at Spencer's one loss record and have to realize he hadn't been pitching for the twenty seven Yankees. <laughs> he has a lot of ability. So, or even the twenty twenty uh, Braves. Yeah, uh, and, you know those recent Tiger teams have not been. No Cecil ball. Fielder, no Alan Trammell on those teams. Those Tiger teams, Cecil. Uh, no Al Kaline, no Norm Cash, S- Sweet Lou Whitaker. Yeah. No, yeah. None of those guys. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Lance Thompson. Yeah. And the list has not been, you know, Verlander, Syndergaard, Strasburg, the names that were recently the best pitchers. Otani will yeah. probably pitch one. He'll probably pitch one and hit three home runs. <laughs> He's something else, man. Otani is something else. Yeah. Making it look like high school baseball. 2A high school baseball in the major leagues. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, Um, Cecil. We always appreciate the time, my man. Okay, Trav. Thanks. Thank you, sir. There he goes. The one, the only, Cecil Hurt. Tuscaloosa News, Tidesports.com. Back with more of a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
with Cecil Hurt, and I uh, misspoke. It's Lance Parrish, the legendary former catcher for the Detroit Tigers. I think I said Lance Thompson. Had old Lance on the brain, former Alabama assistant. You know where Lance Thompson is these days? He is your linebackers coach down at Florida Atlantic for Willie Taggart, head coach. Of course, Mike Stoops, most recently a defensive analyst at the University of Alabama. He's your new defensive coordinator down at Florida Atlantic. Also coaching the safeties down there for the Owls. So uh, just to clarify a little bit there on the Detroit Tigers rabbit hole. Tried to go a little far, overextended a little bit. It's about to go Mark Fidrich. Trying to stop. Couldn't do it. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt for joining us here on the program. Want to talk a little bit about the uh, outside linebacker position. Been meaning to do that in the last couple of days. Dropped a breakdown on the Alabama outside linebackers on BamaOnline.com yesterday. I'll have some... uh, I'll have some wide receiver stuff for you on the website later today. But going to be interesting to see how depth plays out behind Christopher Allen and Will Anderson. May not be a lot of snaps available, but is it going to be Drew Sanders? Is it going to be one of those second-year guys? Maybe Chris Braswell looked good in the spring game, didn't he, with those three sacks? Q Robinson? Maybe? Got a lot of guys, a lot of depth there. King Wakuda, veteran. Can't overlook him. And then you're bringing in a five-star here in a week or two in Dallas Turner from South Florida. So a lot to consider there at the outside linebacker for the Alabama Crimson Tide in the 2021 season. It's been a lot of fun on a Wednesday. The Lunch Whistle today brought to you by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Anytime a great time to get by SAH, whether it's lunch right now, whether it's dinner a little later, or maybe it's happy hour sometime in between. Don't forget Thursday nights, you're going to have that live entertainment, live music for you on that outstanding patio area there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Thanks to Jacob Harrison. Thanks again to Cecil Hurd. Thanks to you. And until 11 a.m. on Thursday, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky. The high today, 83. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 64. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. The warming trend continues Friday, mostly sunny with a high at 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Thank you for listening to Southern Fry.